Good morning and welcome to the Red Ned Show, where it's always morning even in the afternoon. My name is Jay Edgar and I'm joined to your left and my right by my wonderful co-host Elaine. Elaine, welcome on in. Thanks. How are you? Doing good. It was uh, it was a good week. I got to drop off a nice uh, surprise birthday present, so that was uh, kind of nice. I know I told you. How was the reaction of, to the birthday present? It was quite good. I was... Uh, very happy with how everything went out of there. I'm not going to go into too much detail out of that, but uh, somebody got a necklace this uh, year. so Very nice, very nice. I, I thought it was a very considerate gift. Yeah, it turns out uh, you had uh, quite the week too as well. Uh, tell us a bit about that. I did. I got back from South Carolina on Tuesday, Wednesday? I don't know. I can't remember. I feel like Monday nights are... A big deal because we do this mm-hmm. and then I feel like I wake up the next day and I'm like crap it's Thursday when did that happen I have no clue so <laughs> I lose track of my days really easily so I got back home yesterday I think it was Tuesday and so I had to fly because I left my car in South Carolina mm-hmm. so that means that I had to wear um, the mask into the airport and I had a layover um, in Atlanta, which was not too bad actually. Um, so I flew from Greenville, South Carolina to Atlanta and then from Atlanta to Indianapolis. The flights themselves were great. The airlines have done a really good job. I did not have anyone sitting next to me on either one of my flights, which was fantastic because I'm five foot 10. And so I never have enough leg room. The only thing that bothered me was that when I went through TSA, I usually wear slip-ons or sandals or something that's really easy to get in and out of because the thing that drives me nuts the most is going through TSA, having to take your shoes off, and then having to spend forever putting them back on because it's a shoe that you have to like lace up or whatever. So I, for whatever reason, thought in my head that I'm wearing flip-flops. They're not going to make me take them off. You know, it's COVID. Like, why would they make me walk (laughs) barefoot on the floor? So I get up to the thing and I like put all my stuff down and I'm getting everything, getting my laptop out of my bag and putting in the trays and all that fun stuff. And the the agent comes and stands right on the other side of the conveyor belt from me. And I point to my feet and I say, do I have to take these off? And he goes, yes, ma'am, you do. (laughs) And I was like, really? (laughs) He goes, yes. And I go, even during COVID, I have to walk on the floor barefoot. And he goes, yes, ma'am, you do. (laughs) So they made me take my take my shoes off, even though the soles are like this big, and you can see my entire foot. They make me take them off, walk barefoot on the floor, COVID nineteen and everything, through the through the scanner and like all of that. And I was just like, "You have got to be kidding me right now!" Like we're twenty years on from nine eleven, and you still have to take your shoes off at the airport, even during a pandemic. Yeah, no, they made me do it too. 
last time I flew, which it's been a while because I've got no desire to get onto a uh, giant steel incubator right now, which is why I drove to Florida. <laughs> I didn't feel that way, though. Yeah. I mean, they they had notices everywhere that they were like, we circulate, we, we recirculate our air on our airplanes every two minutes, you know, all this kind of stuff. They were asking people to keep their masks over their nose and all this. There were a few people that didn't do that. They had their masks like here. And I was like, come on, that's stupid. But it wasn't a terrible experience and I'm going to have to do it again. I'm actually scheduled later this week to fly back down to South Carolina. Um, it's an eight hour drive. I could, I could do it again, but it just, it costs an entire day and I just mm -hmm. don't have that kind of time. And plus I don't have my car, my car's down there. So. Right. Yeah. No, I kind of figured you were going to have to go and retrieve that at some point. Actually, because my car is so old, I'm just going to sell it when the campaign's over. Oh. I think that's what I'm going to do. Sell it down there in South Carolina and buy, buy whatever new one sometime in the next couple of months. So hmm. that's sort of the plan right now. See, well, we've actually got to get going on the news here because we have got a ton to get to today. This has been an absolutely busy week, and there's some stuff that's, I mean, just breaking right now that we can't even get to because we had so much else that was packed up into this for mm -hmm. this week here. I mean, the Austin thing, I don't I don't have enough details on anything to really comfortably go into talking about this because it's still coming out. It's, I mean, it happened on Saturday. It's still blowing up right now as we speak. Mm-hmm new information popping out there. So, I mean, that's that's not on the itinerary today, but we do have, uh, we're going to sit back and we're going to talk about this uh, solace shooting that we avoided yesterday, or last week rather, for the exact same reason, because it was just breaking. We didn't know enough about, uh, about it to go along with. We are going to talk about uh, Portland today because there's a lot more crazy stuff that happened there throughout the week. And Chicago's famed 40-foot Columbus statue has come down. So we'll talk a bit about what happened there and how all of that happened. Uh, the mask mandates have been going in, and you actually have a misdemeanor standing over you if you refuse to wear your mask over in your state. I saw that this yeah. week, so we'll talk a bit about that. And uh, it seems like all the businesses in my state, even though they can't make a mandate by law in this state, all the businesses decided to cut together and do it for the governor anyway. So I'll share a little bit of my story about that. Uh, Fauci threw out the first pitch at a Nationals game, and it fell. Well, let's just say he flattened the curve. We'll talk a bit about that. Uh, surprise QAnon video this week uh, coming from a surprising source. We watched it over on Contemporary, but we'll watch it again over on the show and see what happens there. We do have a government overreach of the week, and then I've got some surprise stupidity to wrap out the show. It's going to be all of this and more. We are streaming live right now to YouTube, Twitch, DLive, uh, Periscope and Facebook and hey if you're over on Facebook get into one of those links above you and uh, come on over participate in the live chat we'd love to answer your questions here so go ahead and do that and if you can't catch us live and you want to catch us up at a later date once this processes it will hit YouTube and BitChute.com or if you'd rather take us on the go you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play. Hey if you're over on iTunes be kind leave us that five star rating and a good review. That always helps us move up the charts. It helps us overcome uh, Apple's draconian algorithms. And lastly, if you want to 
come and see us and help us support some other great creators, come on over to the Freedom Scoop media group over at freedomscoop.com where you'll find our shows along with other great creators like the Freckles and Brit show, like the Generational Gap, who will be on later on tonight. You can also find the R-rated Conservative, who will also be on later on tonight, Stephen Ignoramus, and the Breakdown with Birkenhoff. So come and check us all out over there. Before we get into any of the serious news uh, this week, I kind of wanted to point out the fact that uh, there is a brand new member of the highest paid club over at WAPO. Did you see any of this today? Yes, I did. Nicholas Sandman very impressive. came through with a $250 million, or settlement rather, on a $250 million lawsuit. Now, the amount of money they're actually paying this kid is undisclosed at this point. But they did settle out the $250 million lawsuit that he did file. So he is now the highest paid person at the Washington Post. What did you think of that one? I kind of had a feeling that it was not going to go very well um, for WAPO. So, and he still has pending lawsuits with like four other platforms, I think. Yeah. Um, They've settled two, and there are still four more. So there were six lawsuits in total. So if this sets the precedent for the rest of them, they better watch out because this kid is going to get $250 million from each of them. Like, that would just be insane. All I can say is that I hope that he uses the money for good because that is way more money than I would even have a clue what to do with. I hope that I hope that he does something meaningful with it mm-hmm. besides enriching himself and his and his own family. If he wants to pay for college with it, that's a great idea, you know, all of those kinds of things. But if you're gonna get two hundred and fifty million times six, <laughs> um, yeah. You should you should definitely start thinking about other ways to enrich your community at that point. Absolutely. In my personal opinion. Absolutely. Uh, before we get started, I do want to put uh, one here out to the audience as well here. Uh, we decided, we talked a little bit off mic here, and we decided that we want to put a challenge out to those of you who watch uh, watch this program here because we wanted to do a little ridiculous mask thing coming up, which we'll do next week. But we want to see your ridiculous masks as well. So if you want to tweet at either one of us over, that's for me, Ed's blog Twitter with a one in place of the eye, my co-host, Libertarian Red One. Want to go uh, tweet at either one of us a picture of you wearing your most ridiculous mask possible. Or you can email me over at, uh, at or Ed's blog Twitter at gmail.com. You can email me those pictures. The top three will get featured in the intro of next week's episode. So... We will look at the pictures, we will discuss, and we will pick the top three. So go ahead and uh, get those in there. No spoilers, because we want to be surprised just as much as you are. So, Should I show them mine? Mine's not really ridiculous. Yeah, show, them off. show it off. Still... Mine's still pending on Amazon, because I want to But go... I still like it. Yeah. I'm going to turn my video off for a second so I can put it on. Okay. Keep talking, Ed. I will keep talking here, but... Uh... I'm just waiting. I've seen it, so I know what it's going to be off. I wonder if I could get something with that uh, that thing behind me sitting up. Uh, no, no, I've got something even more ridiculous. Now, it's not going to be as ridiculous as what I promised my boss it would be if uh, Rock County puts the mask mandate in, because I told my boss if they put the mandate in, I'm going to work in a clan hood. 
He didn't really appreciate that idea, but uh, yeah, that's that's what's going to happen here. I'm going to check in with the live chat here while you're doing this. Oh, you got it. We the people. Absolutely. I don't know if you can tell or not, but it is the Constitution. So yeah, it I... does say, we the people, right across my face, which is pretty cool. That is awesome. And I can't wear my glasses at the same time because they fog. Yeah. Because it's a mask. But yeah. Yeah, that's been the biggest problem with uh with that going for me too is uh just the uh the glasses fogging because I just got mm -hmm. these the cheap little medical ones because I I don't wear it unless I'm going into a store that requires it. But we'll talk right. a bit about that a little bit later on. So you brought up the uh the thing with well actually I'll check in with chat because it looks like you're doing an adjustment here. So let's have a look at what we've got here. Saint is here. Good evening, bitches. His usual greeting as well. Uh, Harvey McLeod is in here. Welcome on in. I'm just uh, done with it all, but please inform me. Uh, Joe the Chill Anarchist is in here. Welcome on in. The sad thing is the real kicker in that case is he was a minor. If he was 18 at the time, they might not have got as much money. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing sure. that goes along with that too. Uh, I hope the money doesn't ruin him. Who needs him? Ah, Joe says he's going to spend it on porn. <laughs> Harvey says, I'd send a bouquet of ammunition to David Hogg every year on Christmas. <laughs> That's really awesome. I really like that idea. <laughs> All right. So under normal circumstances, this, uh, this particular story, we would have actually probably sat down and spent a long, long period of time talking about on this, but because of everything else that they crammed into this week in this, uh, this week's episode of Federal Apprentice, we actually have to go brief on this, but, uh, walk me through, start me out with, uh, walking through what happened with the, uh, shooting and the suicide this past week with, uh, the killer that killed the son of, uh, I can't think of the woman's name. Solace. I cannot think of this um, woman's first name. Esther. Esther. I think, I think it's Esther. Yeah. So, me, oh, so I opened this a minute ago, and you guys probably heard that there was like some kind of ad somewhere on the page. <laughs> so, I don't know what I don't know what all that was. <clears throat> I I don't even see the ad, so I can't even stop it if it starts. <laughs> but anyways, it's quiet, so we'll go. Make sure. Okay. I'm like, anytime something moves, I'm like, is it going to start talking? <laughs> um, so, so this, this lawyer who did the shooting described himself as an anti-feminist lawyer who defended, quote unquote, men's rights. Um, the article says his personal writings and life's work reveal a toxic slew of sexist, racist bigotry. He had unsuccessfully filed lawsuits against bars and nightclubs offering ladies' nights, claiming they violate the 14th Amendment. And he filed suits against the federal government challenging the constitutionality of its Violence Against Women Act, a.k.a. the Female Fraud Act, as he referred to it, and against Columbia University for its Women's Studies Program. Federal authorities on Monday said he is suspected of shooting the husband and son of U.S. District Judge Esther Salas at her New North Brunswick, New Jersey home. They called him the primary suspect and said that he is dead. Two law enforcement sources told CNN the suspect died of what is believed to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He penned lengthy documents filled with bigoted and sexist content on his website. One document, which he called 
a cyclopedia is 152 pages of anti-feminist musings. In the so-called evolutionarily correct cyclopedia, he makes chilling remarks about solutions to what he called political commies and feminists. <laughs> Things began, this is a quote, Things began to change when individual men started taking out those specific persons responsible for destroying their lives before committing suicide, he wrote. He argued one case before Salas, according to federal court records, a lawsuit where he represented a woman and her daughter as they sought to register for the military selective service. In the case, his clients claimed the draft was unconstitutional because it barred women from registering. That's an entirely separate subject mm -hmm. that I would love to talk about. Um, the case, like at least one other in the federal court system, raised intricate legal questions about the treatment of women in the military. He cited, she cited the judge, um, cited against a part of his arguments last spring, but also agreed with some of the claims and allowed the lawsuit to continue. He exited the case in June of 2019, handing it over to a team of lawyers, the large New York based firm, can't pronounce like two of those names. <laughs> <laughs> he said he would not be able to see the case through because he was terminally ill. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I do have to wonder about just the convenience of this and the tinfoil in me just the tinfoil hat uh system inside of me is just screaming at this because i mean as we talked about this is also a judge who was assigned to sit on the deutsche bank lawsuit that was being filed against the epstein estate at the time so mm -hmm. it makes me wonder if now because he's because it said he was uh, he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of melanoma in 2018. Um, he said that. I mean, he's he doesn't seem like he because of his illness that made him an easy mark right. for someone to offer a lot of money to him to do this mm -hmm. in order to take care of his family once he's gone. Now, I don't, it doesn't say anything about his family, whether he was married. I can't imagine someone marrying someone who has those kinds of attitudes about women. But oh, I know that there are out there. Exactly. I know that there are women out there who would, which is beyond me, but whatever. It's not my choice. And, or if he had children, you know, if there were children or um, siblings or anything like that, God knows what they could have promised him. But if it was money, then he knows his family's taken care of. And if he was someone who was of the mind of not going through cancer treatments, then this might have been a convenient out for him. Clearly, he had major issues, mental health and otherwise. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really weird that this guy is there involved. It's it's the timing of it that bothers, yeah, and exactly. the fact that he didn't get the judge. It was like he was sending a message of fear to this woman, mm -hmm. and I mean that would be the perfect thing too to just offer to take care of the family of some MGTOW lawyer out there. That's that he knows he's dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, uh, that's breaking. That's the plot of Breaking Bad right there. Do whatever it takes to get money to take care of your family and. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. But I mean, just this is all too convenient for me to come out here and say that this is just an instance of something happening 
that two things happening at the same time are not related. Yeah, and it doesn't say anything like he left a suicide note or anything like that to really explain why he chose her. So, I mean, and it sounded like she agreed with part of his case that he had brought before her. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you're going to go after someone that you don't like, it's probably not going to be the person that agrees with some of the points that you're making on a lawsuit, a lawsuit that he's not even, he's no longer even a part of. I could see it if it was like a lawsuit that was like the lawsuit of your career, something you spent a decade, you know, working on something that was like a lengthy court battle or something like that. But it doesn't sound like that this lawsuit he had before her was anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I just, I have to wonder, honestly, if this, like some trained assassin came in because yeah it was just knock on the door here's a fedex employee and right. i do have to wonder at the same time is this was it him at the door or did some trained assassin come in and do this and then somebody arkansas this guy and stuffed him in a car and put the gun and that they used on yeah yeah so I this is just i mean all of Shady. this is tickling every conspiracy theory aspect of my mind yeah, shady AF. But we must move on. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, we could sit and talk in this, about this for the whole show if we kept on but going. But this segues right into the next story, too. Mm -hmm. So this is one that you brought uh, forward as well here. Uh, the Daily mm -hmm. Mail uh, article, which Midget B also put in the Discord over there as well. Um, walk me through what's going on with this one. Um, I have to find it. Where did you put it on here? Is it at the end? That's like three from the end. There we go. Don't put them in the order that is on the top of the document. Unfortunately, no, I don't. So the floodgates are opening as a judge rules that the documents detailing Ghislaine Maxwell's sex life can be unsealed in Virginia Guffrey's, Guffrey, Guffrey's defamation case within a week. And this was published almost a week ago, several days ago. So we should be seeing these documents any day now. Right. It is, it's a package of 80 documents. Ghislaine Maxwell wanted to keep them a secret. The documents that run into hundreds of pages, um, they include flight logs, a disposition in 2016 in which Maxwell's lawyer said she was asked intrusive questions about her sex life. They also include police reports from Palm Beach, Florida, where Epstein had a home. And it will include co communication between Maxwell and Epstein from January 2015, when Virginia Goofrey made allegations about them in court papers. In those papers, Virginia claims she was forced to have sex with Prince Andrew three times when she was 17 at Epstein's behest. So this girl, who's now an adult, um, has brought this defamation lawsuit against Maxwell. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it was previously confidentially settled in 2017, but it's separate from the criminal proceedings against Maxwell because she's accused, she's being charged with procuring girls as young as 14 for Epstein. So it is going to be a treasure trove of documents. And I, I really hope that this, Virginia girl is like in witness protection because this is not going to go well. 
Well, I'm almost involved. I'm almost more afraid for the country at this point because this is something else that's coming up big on the. And we'll talk about this video towards the end of the uh, mm -hmm. show with this QAnon woman. But I mean, the pedophile thing is starting to leak beyond 4chan. Like I'm yeah. seeing posts all over Instagram about this from Instagram models all about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be really bad because those flight logs and the documentation and everything like that, I mean, there's a member of the British family involved, then nobody's off limits. Right. You're going to see senators, judges, uh, people who work at the Treasury, uh, cabinet members potentially, like people close to former president's staff. I mean, just anyone and everyone if it can go as high as the british royal family it can go anywhere so it's going to be really messy really explosive and i think that that's why it's kind of a big issue during this campaign season as well um, with people accusing trump and biden of being sexual predators in, in various different ways um because people are worried about this mm -hmm. truly worried about it and I just looked up the stats, 800,000 children go missing every year and 40% of them are never returned to their families. When you think about that, and then you think about the number of children that are, that are sex trafficked, not just in this country, but worldwide, that means that the market that is demanding that mm -hmm. is huge. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that many children go missing permanently. So the, that is the supply that is feeding the demand. So that means that the, the pool of people that are demanding this are very large and very oh, intrusive. Yeah. It's very far-reaching. How many cabins did you say that Wayfair sold? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I believe anything about the Wayfair thing. Yeah, I, I think that's just some uh, disgruntled uh, web employee that decided to play a prank because he got pissed that they were sending beds down to the border resort. That's what I thought yeah. that was. Yeah, but I've seen really disturbing things on Facebook lately. I have a friend who is basically like a pedophile hunter, an online pedophile hunter, and he finds these groups on Facebook. And I saw one of the posts last week. And, I mean, I have a seven-year-old son, so, like, mm -hmm. the, I worry about this, too, as a parent. Um, I went to one of the groups, and I was looking at the pictures, and there were all these pictures of young boys, and they basically had skew numbers on them. Mm-hmm. It was, it was insane. It, it was like it, the group almost functioned as a catalog. It was so disgusting. And I just, you know, of course he's like sticking people on the group, like report this, report this. So we were all trying to get it, you know, banned, but I don't even think they took it down. Now I want to go back to this, uh, this document dump here. Did it say whether she cooperated with this or not? I mean, is there going to be a plea deal involved with any of this? I have no, well, it's separate from the criminal proceedings, so okay. I don't think they can make a plea deal unless it's with the same case. Okay. I don't think they can make a, I don't think they can make a plea deal that spans multiple right. criminal cases. They could make one for this one, but they'd have to make a separate one for the other one. Um, I think McLeod yeah. just gave us a homework for after the show here, because she's asking if we saw Jenna Jameson's post, uh, Twitter post on this. I have not. I did. Oh. I I did sort of, 
sort of. Um, so I saw a Twitter post. I think it was Jenna Jameson. It was like a week ago, so I don't remote, really remember. Right. But it's about, um, was it the one about the paintings? The paintings were part of it? I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't answer. Well, for I'm, a, I'm asking Harvey. Oh. Is it about, were paintings part of it? Because I remember it was about paintings. Okay. So there's two, there's these two paintings and they look like young women running through the woods and they're naked and they're not very realistic looking paintings. They're kind of more surrealist looking paintings. And in one of them, the girls are wearing red shoes. And then in the other one, um, their legs are bloody and they have like scratches on them. Like they've been running through the woods and they've gotten injured. Um, and there's this big long conspiracy theory that goes with the, these two paintings that talks about basically the elite use this use this man to snatch these girls and children and they use them in this sick game where they strip them, turn them loose in the woods, send them running and go hunt them for sport. And the reason that the girls have bloody legs in the one photo is because their Achilles tendons have been cut, which means they can't run. Right. So, yeah, that I think that Jenna Jameson post had something to do with that. Like, I think the two things are, are linked. But, um, yeah, it's some pretty dark shit. Uh, apparently that this is something about the tip of the iceberg and the children as young as two are being trafficked. Uh, she basically said, don't think that Epstein is the end-all be-all and be complacent. So, yeah, we're going to be digging a lot more out of this for a long time to come. We should probably move on before YouTube yanks us down. Oh, yeah. You know, like <laughs> talking about cheese pies and fence doors? What? I don't even know what that is. I'll put it in the document. <laughs> okay. Make some notes Because I'm, I'm not going to say it uh, out loud. I'm going to put it right up under the week under 727. Oh, you're talking about Chicago Deep Dish. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a second. <laughs> My mind was still like in conspiracy theory land, which is very creepy. <laughs> ah. Well... On uh, other parts of the country, talking about these peaceful protests here, we had a pretty big one come out of Portland, and that's the one that actually made it out of Portland, because as we all recall, the mainstream media is bending over backwards to make sure they don't cover any of this, but we do have one. It came via uh, Fox News from a local affiliate out in Portland, and that is that uh, community leaders plead for moratorium and street violence as police are targeted because the Portland Police Association building, their union building, was burned over the last weekend. Uh, reading near now, protesters have drawn national attention after setting fire inside a Portland Police Association, uh, Association building Saturday night. Portland police said around 1045 protesters broke into the PPA's building and almost immediately started a fire. The building on North Lombard Street is still covered with graffiti and remnants of the, or from the fire set Saturday night are still scattered inside. So, I mean, for 60 days at this point, they have been rioting, protesting, shooting fireworks at cops, just tearing that absolute city apart. And they've even been going after the federal courthouse, but not been, being able to breach it. And now, yeah, the federal troops are out and taking care of this. I actually looked up the U.S. Code for the other show this past week. Mm -hmm. 
to see what it was, why they have the authority to do so, because so many people are coming out and saying that the federal police don't have the authority to defend federal land. And no, it's right out there. I mean, I have the U.S. code in the notes there. I didn't put it on the stack to read out from, but it's mm -hmm. right in there detailed that, yes, they have the authority to defend federal property and the immediate area surrounding it if the immediate area surrounding it could put the federal property into danger. I believe that is U.S. Code 1530, if I'm not mistaken. But I kind of want to go and see Portland at this point. I just, I want to see what the damage is on it. So I have a friend who's going. Mm -hmm. He hasn't left yet. He lives in Denver. Um, he's grabbing his camera and getting a press badge, and he's going to go up there. I have a friend who lives in near Portland mm -hmm. in Beaverton, something like that. Um, it's like, it's considered in the Portland metro area. And she said that it's really not that bad. It's it's localized to like a six block radius right. downtown. Um, and that's it. She's just like, no, I'm not having any issues getting to work or going to the store or like doing anything like that. You know, the city is not on fire like it was in Milwaukee. Right. So it's, you know, it's very localized. Uh, I actually did pull that up here. Uh, this is uh, U.S. Code... Uh, 13 or 40 us code 1315 and i don't need to read the whole thing here but under article 2 section c uh, while engaged in the performance of official duties an officer or agent designated under this subsection may section c says make arrest without warrant for any offense against the united states committed in the presence of an officer or agent or for any felony cognizable under the law of US, uh, the united states or if the officer or agent has reasonable grounds to believe that the person to be arrested has committed or is committing a felony. So basically it's the witness standard. If they see it, right. they can do it without a warrant. But that's what mm -hmm. they've been all screeching is, oh, they don't have a warrant. They can't, t they can't arrest anybody. There's no warrant. Well, surprise. Right. But yeah, I mean, this is exactly like it was over in Seattle too. It wasn't the whole city of Seattle was going crazy on this. It was just like this one. It's a six block radius that's localized. And it is the six block radius that has the police department, the police station, and the federal courthouse. So mm -hmm. does, with the fact that and Ted Wheeler was out there, he got tear gassed over this this past week. Oh, really? Yeah, he went up to the fences. He's standing. He, I mean, he wasn't doing any of the, uh, the rioting and protesting. He wasn't shooting fireworks at any of the federal agents or anything. But he went up onto the front uh, front fence for a photo op, essentially, because I can't see any other reason that he did that. But he went up there for a photo op, and they shot the tear gas. And now he's got a photo op of himself getting tear gas, which plays great on the mainstream media for uh, if you're trying to go against uh, the current administration, I've got to say. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's, they don't want the authority out there. And all I look at this here, as much as I hate to say it, because I don't want either of the two mainstream candidates to be president right now, is this is campaign ads for the Trump administration. Because mm -hmm. he's going to yeah. be up there and say, oh, well, they don't want, they don't want to protect your property, but I want to come up there and protect your property and they won't let me. I'll protect. It'll be the greatest protection. So, <laughs> your impressions of him always kick me, always kill me. But that's all that I have on this here. Do you have uh, anything else to add on to this one before I move up on to the next one? I don't. Yeah. Nope. 
So from closer to both of us over here, Chicago also experienced a large amount of violence this weekend. Uh, Lori Lightfoot was tweeting against Trump and screaming about the fact that she didn't want uh, federal agents in the city to protect anybody and that she could do a very good job of protecting the people. As 14 people got shot outside of a funeral home, just about concurrently, I'm going to read briefly here from Fox News. Uh, even as Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was accusing President Trump of trying to terrorize her city by sending in federal forces to quell skyrocketing crime, bullets were flying Tuesday evening outside a Southside funeral home in a shocking fusillade of gunfire that left at least 15 people wounded. Oh, the optics of that one. What did you see on this? Um, so I actually didn't hear about this one hardly at all. Oh. I do remember hearing, I do remember hearing her saying things like, um, the fact that the areas surrounding Chicago don't have strict gun control are what's making this problem worse. And <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, I played that video this morning. Which and yeah, one but of that's the things I've heard about it. One of the things that she said on that was the fact that, uh, oh well, if these people are, they're getting their guns because all the other states around us don't have background checks and they don't have assault weapons bans. I can attest that surrounding states from Illinois have background checks. I know I've done yeah, one. Yeah, that's federal. Yeah, I know that's what I said too. The problem is most of it is gang violence. I think so. Your average gangbanger is not really concerned about getting a background check. No, and once and again... they're probably using guns that they've stolen mm -hmm. or that have serial numbers filed off of them anyway, even if they did buy them legally. So you can't trace them back to that. Well, not only that too, but I do believe that there is a market for people coming out because one of the big ones that happened last year, and I remember Christensen made a video on that, and that actually pushed me to look into this even further is the fact that yes there are people that will come in uh, mostly from indiana but they'll come in from uh wisconsin hey. as well hey i'm just quoting statistics here um but the there are people that'll come in from either one of those states and actually sell the guns out there that is a federal crime to transfer mm -hmm. sale of a uh, firearm privately across the state line so my suggestion to lightfoot if she's going to come out and do this is prosecute those people Prosecute the people that are breaking the law, and you'll you'll start seeing this uh, traffic go down. Or you could just, you know, let law-abiding citizens have guns. Oh, well, they can't There's do that. That would make too much sense. There's an idea. <laughs> like, just let them defend themselves. That would, that would make too much sense. Right. Speaking of Chicago, we also have uh, a kind of a sad story to come out of Chicago. Not that any of them are happy at this point, but uh, <laughs> uh, you remember last week we talked about the fact that they attempted to take down, the, the rioters attempted to take down a 40-foot concrete statue of Christopher Columbus out of Grant Park. Yes. Well, in the dead of the night on, I believe it was Friday morning, yeah, it was Friday morning. In the dead of the night, 4 a.m. on Friday morning, the city came in under Lightfoot's orders to officially and safely remove that statue. No word at this point where it has gone, what they're doing with it, or what's going to happen to it in the 
days to come. But yes, they have officially taken down the statue from Grant Park. No mm-hmm. more Christopher Columbus. Did you get to see this one at all? I did. Mm-hmm. And what were your thoughts on this one? I mean, I know a lot of people that are Italian or of Italian descent kind of see him as a, a symbol of pride. But he really didn't do the things that we were sort of taught in elementary school that he did. You know, he really didn't discover America. He wasn't the first person from Europe here in, in the Americas. You know, that was the Vikings long before. Um, I mean, they came to Canada centuries before Columbus did. Mm-hmm. And so he really wasn't the first to do anything, really. I mean, maybe he discovered what he considered to be the East or the, uh, I don't know, the New New World Indies or whatever they called it. But he really, I don't think he ever even set foot in Florida. He never set foot on the North American continent. No. He was only ever in the Bahamas and the Caribbean. So he didn't really discover America. I don't understand the fascination with saying that he did. Um, I don't know why that myth is still perpetuated, I guess. So, I mean. I mean, Vespucci was here before he was. Right. I mean, cool explorer story, I guess. But he also did a lot of other really not great things. Mm -hmm. And I think that given the given the amount of information that we have access to these days with the Internet, there's no reason to not there's there's no reason to continue the tradition of writing history from the perspective of the victors when you can have the option to write history in a more well-balanced way that's actually a much closer to the truth. Well, no, and I understand that, but I do also, you do have to keep in mind that with bureaucracy, the way that it was in Europe at the time that he was coming through here and just how expansive it was, I mean, there was no internet at the time. So to come together, to make the trips back and forth, to bring a multinational coalition together to make this trip, that was in itself outstanding at the time and he did establish trade routes but yes he also came in and brought diseases to these areas that people weren't immune to so i mean there is a good side and a bad side no i understand the fact that he didn't discover america i think most people at this point understand that but there is there was a level of italian pride that comes out of this as well and i don't know if you know anything about italians in chicago but i try not to cross them if i uh if i can help it (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. The other side of this, though, is I do believe that I know that uh, Lightfoot had come out initially and said that she was not going to take the statue down because it was an important part of Chicago history to have that statue there. But he never even was in Chicago. Come on. I know. But on the other side of this, I can understand now why you would want to, because, yeah, they tried to take it down by force in a manner that would have gotten a lot of people killed. So well, now the city yeah, can come in. There, and... Wasn't there some guy that got trapped under a statue in D.C.? Or something like that? Like it fell on him? Yes. That's he, not good either. Yeah, it busted his head open. Yeah, I believe he's he still does. in critical condition. Right, yeah. We can't, no. <laughs> That's not good either. Can't do that. So yeah, to have this come up and be done in a in a safe manner where nobody got hurt, I can understand 
the motive up behind this. I really can. I still don't mm -hmm. think it's right because there is still history that people celebrate on this, but to get right. it up and out of here safe, I at least appreciate that sentiment out of this. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going down the list here because we've got plenty of else to do. Um, what am I missing here? I'm missing a few stories. We can skip them since we are short yes. on time. I missed a bunch of them up in here. Uh, tell me a bit about the McCloskeys. What's going on with uh? What's going on with them? I think that what what is it that uh, Patricia McCloskey mm -hmm. is still going to be charged with a crime, even though the pistol that she was wielding and being very irresponsible with did not have any ammunition in it. The firing pin was removed from it. I actually I read into the, uh, this a little bit this morning. It wasn't just the, uh, I mean, it was assembled in in an operable fashion. Remember, these two were lawyers, so when they assembled this up, they, it was a prop gun for to use in court, and they wanted to bring it in as evidence into the courtroom. But in order to bring it into the courtroom, it had to be in a in a non-fireable uh, condition. Right. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, they had to jump through all kinds of hoops out of that. So, and the DA, the medical examiner that was going through the, or not the medical examiner, but the uh, uh, the, the detective was going through this, actually had to put the thing back together in order to make it into operable uh, condition so he could test fire it, which I don't understand why they had to do that in the situation. But nothing out of this story makes sense. Um, no, it's just really weird. But yes, they have officially at this point been charged with uh, illegal use of a firearm, which I don't understand because they were using a firearm to defend their private property in a gated community. But there is some good news that comes out of this as well because uh, there have been petitions now. I've actually signed one to drop the charges against, uh, to just dismiss the case because there's no charge there against both, uh, both of the McCloskeys. And even if that doesn't go through at this point, uh, the governor of Missouri has also come out and assured us that if something does go, they get convicted and it sticks, he will immediately pardon them. So hmm. what have you seen on this story so far this week? I haven't seen any new updates really on this story. I think it's going to be a lengthy court battle. I think it's complicated because of the different um, self-defense laws that Missouri has. And I think we just kind of have to wait and see. But I don't expect this to be wrapped up anytime soon. No, I don't either. All right, I have a, let me get this set up here. I got a short video for us to watch here. It's uh, probably one of the shortest videos I've ever put on here. It's uh, 12 seconds I had it cut down to because Joe Biden made a, uh, a definite mistake this week. He one makes, of many. One of many. Uh, he made a claim this week that uh, if it's true, then we don't have to be tearing down all these statues. Let's listen what, to what the former president had to say. Let me get this set up. No sitting president has ever done this. Never, never, never. No Republican president has done this. No Democratic president. We have racist and they've existed, they've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that had. So, if he's really the first racist president that we've ever had, why are we tearing down all these statues? 
has he even heard of Woodrow Wilson? <laughs> that was the first or thought Lyndon I had. Johnson? Yeah. Like, come on. FDR, internment of Japanese and Italian citizens for nothing right? more than the shape of their face and their eyes. <laughs> wow. It, it, and that's a big part of it. I mean, we go back to the slave. I mean, the first, what was it? 10 Andrew out of the first Jackson? 12 presidents owned slaves. Yeah. We're, we're having a whole argument over their statues over this right now. This is insane. Uh, the clip that uh, was uh, happening with this came from uh, MSNBC this past week in which Biden was being interviewed. And yes, he made the allegation that Trump is the first racist president that we've ever had. The very first. Uh, go ahead. Give him your rip on this one here. I, I mean, the list is long. That's all I will say. He's not the first. I don't even think he's the first in the last 50 years. I'm sure that there has been others in the last 50 years that were just as racist. This is just... I mean, yeah, he's, not, think... he's not mentally capable of being president. He just isn't. But he's better than the evil orange man, don't you know? We, we, he's not the president terrible. we want. They're yeah. both terrible. Yeah. For yeah. completely different reasons. Uh, I got another one here to talk about here that may tickle uh, your parenting skills out of this here because another viral photo circulated the internet this week. It has uh, this photo here of a man kneeling on the neck of a two-year-old child. I screamed about this. Like, I was cussing and screaming up and down about this one on Contemporary the other week, uh, the other morning. Very, very angry when I saw that. Yeah. Because you shouldn't do that to a child. I don't care what color they are. That is not safe. Yeah. They yeah. are small. You cannot do that. Well, that's what I said, too. I mean, if you really want to have this photo up for whatever reason, and there's another person holding the child down, but... If you want to have this photo up for whatever reason, then go get some of the one of these skinny white kids that's out protesting. Get him in there. I'm sure he'll be glad to comply because it'll send the right message. At least I 21, can't. 22 years old. Sit, throw him on the ground and do that because he can defend himself. This. No, this is a child. Yeah. This is unacceptable. Uh, Good to... news is he was arrested and charged, correct? Yes, Ohio man in custody after kneeling on crying white child's neck praising Black Lives Matter. The banner across the photo read BLM, BLM now motherfucker. I'm just going to read briefly here. An Ohio man who was put out on parole has been thrown in jail and awaits a new felony charges after the photo circulated on social media showing him posing with his knee on the neck of a crying white two-year-old boy alongside a message referencing Black Lives Matter. The Clark County Sheriff's Department, our Sheriff's Office, first became aware of the photo circulating social media on Tuesday and appears to be a direct reference to the former Minnesota cop, Derek Chauvin, who leaned on the neck of George Floyd before he died, sparking months of protests and unrest across the U.S. Now, there are more details that come along this as well because it appears Label that uh, the child in question onto this is the child of this man's new girlfriend. Oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. I would have ripped that man limb from limb if he had done that to my child. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. So, this is just... 
You think your reaction is bad. I watched. I have a son. Yeah. Well, I also watched this with a with a tradcon woman talking about this last night, who was also flipping out about this. And I she, it and I was she like, just I gave even, birth. I cannot even look at it. I yeah. can't even look at it. It's so enraging to me. Well, I'll take and it off the screen then. Not because. Well, no, I can't see it because I don't have the. Yeah, I don't have that capability from with just my one screen on my laptop. But oh. no, I I saw it a couple of times and I was just like, I, no, I can't. Mm-mm. I don't care what color. I don't care what color that child is. Mm-hmm. It does not matter. You do not kneel on a child's neck like that. You will hurt them. Do it to David Hogg. I'm sure he would comply with it. Probably. I don't know. So, before uh, before you crack and I have to go find a new co-host off of this, we'll uh, move on to another story off of this. Actually, I think we're due for a break. Because I think that was the last one that I had on this segment. Yeah, yeah that is. Can, I, can go over, I can go over chat. Um, let's see. Ron says, historically, Chicago has always been a violent city. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to Mexico City, stay away from the Tepito neighborhood. Crime infested, they will try to pick your pockets. Uh, Sergeant Peterson says, Egyptians were actually here first. No cocoa. Oh, cocoa was found in the tombs. Cocoa plants are only found in South America. Hmm. Didn't know that. Uh, I... I had heard something about I could never uh, confirm that, but I had heard something about that uh, before in my life as well. He's he's not the first person who's brought that to my attention. I'm gonna have to look that up because I like stuff like that. Hmm. It was aliens, probably. Um, Ron also says the prosecutor should be tried, charged, and tried for treason. Are we talking about what are we talking about with that? I don't know i don't I, think the mccloskeys no i think that was before that i i think so too anyways also harvey is about to have a meltdown about the photo of the child so i'm glad that you took it off of the screen <laughs> all right this is i gotta get i bet you i got an autoplay coming up here i'm just pulling some articles up for after the next uh, chat break because i woefully behind at this point all right you have anything else off of this Nope, I'm good. All right. Then let's keep going. So to start off with here, come on. I don't know what uh, Google Docs is doing over here, but uh, let's go back to this. So we're going to talk a little about about masks over here because we both have Again? stories about uh, about masking and what happens with that as well. But before we do that, the president has actually decided it's time for him to wear a mask. It only uh, took him four months. Yeah. Uh, as mandates grow, Trump tweets out a photo of himself in a mask, now calling it patriotic. From over at ABC News, President Trump on Monday tweeted a photo of himself wearing a mask, saying, Many people say that it's patriotic to wear a face mask when you can't socially distance. There's nobody more patriotic than me, your favorite president. Oh, God. <laughs> it wasn't clear favorite, what message. Your favorite president. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't clear what message, if any, he might be sending in his nearly 84 million Twitter followers and supporters, but it just or it came just hours after he said he'd resume coronavirus task force briefings, which is another shit show that we haven't even 
been able to cover this week. At the White House, amid more bad poll numbers for his handling of the coronavirus crisis. Do you think he's got a different angle on this? Do you think it's 4D chess where he's like, if I tell them not to wear masks, or if I tell them to wear masks, then they won't wear masks. And that, then that's actually what I'm thinking. This is, is we'll all get herd immunity faster. I don't know. Maybe because everything he does is wrong according to the mainstream media. So yeah, I'm actually waiting for some of them to come out and start screaming the fact that, oh well, you shouldn't be wearing a mask, and God forbid, wearing a mask is racist. <laughs> Whatever. I'm sticking with my constitution mask. Uh, I wish I'd have put the po- uh, picture up from there because it's actually kind of funny. He's got the one with the little presidential seal on the side. A nice oh big my... black and white picture. I can't with him. So that is... Actually, I could probably put it up because I have... Uh, cond- no, because... Um... Could I put it up? Here we go. On-air production. Woo. I'm just trying to think if I can run my uh, contemporary because I use this screen are, for contemporary. We are professionals yeah. around here. No, I'm going to hold off on that for now because I don't know how it's going to react with everything. But uh, on your neck of the woods here, tell us about your new mask mandate. Oh, yeah. In Indiana now, it's as of Monday. Um, it's what? A misdemeanor punishable with like a $1,000 fine or something like that if you don't wear a mask when you're in public places where you can't feasibly social distance, which basically means they can arbitrarily decide that you're not social distancing good enough and (laughs) they can arrest you and charge you and put you into jail where you will likely catch COVID-19, but that's totally not the point. Oh, what is the point? Control, of course. Just like going through the TSA checkpoint? Yeah, basically. Well, I mean... You've got the, the new law that comes in as a mandate, and I'm not sure how the uh, the government makeup is in your state. So basically, the, the attorney general already basically said, screw you, I'm <laughs> not going to process any of these charges. And several county sheriff's departments have said the same thing, where they're like, yeah, no, don't call us. Please do not call us and ask us to arrest people for not wearing a mask at the grocery store, because we will not come and help you. <laughs> And so. you know that's what they're going to do is they're just going to start calling uh, calling that kind of stuff up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Well, it was like the, okay, it was like the woman in California that, that pepper sprayed those two people at the park who were not wearing their masks. Did you hear about that? I remember something about that, but I don't know all the details that go along with that. That does sound, were... sound, sound very California, though. Yeah, they weren't wearing their masks. I don't know if they were, like, sitting down to a picnic or something, or they were eating, or I don't know. They may not have been, and whatever. But I think it was two people together. She walked up, and she was wearing a mask, and she pepper-sprayed both of them because they weren't wearing masks. People are insane. That's assault. Yeah, it is. And I hope they press charges. Well, there's another one that's uh, up in Minnesota as well. Uh, A couple went into a grocery store wearing masks with swastikas on them and now are facing critical charges uh criminal charges but they're sticking to the fact that they're not actually nazis they were just uh making a commentary over what the mask symbolized and what that meant for people the government should not be mandating you what clothing that you should wear or what clothing that you can wear the government shouldn't be mandating any of that bullshit 
Oh, the guy was wearing a Trump t-shirt when all that happened, too, by the way. Of course he was, because that's the exact thing to go along with all of this. Of course. Of course. So, uh, how many fines have you racked up so far? Um, none. Not yet? I should try, I should try harder. <laughs> have you done your civil disobedience today? Well, again, I don't have a car, so... I take a walk around the neighborhood every day, but I usually don't see anybody because most people I think are at work. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I go walking in the morning every day and I never wear masks, but I don't usually run into anyone. Sometimes my son comes with me, but not always. That's pretty much it. I don't really go very many places. I work from home, so mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal. Well, over on my side of uh, things, over in my neck of the woods, uh, a lot of places around actually... What surprised me the most is Waukesha County doesn't have that. And Waukesha County is a pretty left-wing place. But here in uh, Rock County, there is no law. The uh, uh, county executive tried to put a law in a place where Rock County, you had to wear a mask to go any to be anywhere indoors, much like they have in Dane County and Milwaukee County right now. Mm -hmm. And they have in various other places across the state. But he couldn't get the support out of the, uh, the county board to do that. However, in its place... Most businesses in Rock County have come together to form a cabal very similar to when they took Alex Jones off the air. One place took him off and then everybody else followed suit into that. Almost every store in the area at this point has a private business notice that says that we will kick you out if you do not wear a mask. Yeah. Which That's why I put that in the, uh, in the notes as the Wisconsin cabal because that's... I mean... There's no law, and I said that, okay, I'll deal with the uh, private uh, businesses if that's what they want to do. But, yeah, it's just like they all got into league, into lockstep, and said, no, you can't come in here if you don't wear a mask. Right. So I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not going to lie. I don't care for it. I can tell you that. But it's, okay, I did say that I'll deal with private business as it goes. But, I mean, it does make me want to not give money to these places, but I do still have a grocery shop at some point. You could do Instacart. I don't think we have that here. Maybe not. You could do it where you pick up the groceries. Yeah, actually, the uh, hardware, the local hardware store actually has that. It's, they got it plastered on there. If you don't want to wear a mask or if you refuse to abide by the rules, you can call for curbside pickup. And it is worded like that, too. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, they're not happy about that. But, yeah, this is... Uh, what we have going on over in this part of the state. So, I mean, there's no fine. They just don't want to do the business with you. Uh, right. This past week, the CDC came out with guidelines for opening up the schools, and I figured that you would be uh, good for leading this topic here because you have a child that's getting ready to come into school. So tell me a little bit about what the CDC has recommended for all of this and how that's going to affect your little family. So the CDC released their... Various virtual tools and guidelines geared towards assisting schools and staff around the country as in-person classes are supposedly going to resume this fall. Um, the suggestions which are on the agency's website are designed to help parents make, make sure that their children are pr as protected as possible. And a quote from the CDC says, with states, cities, and communities around the United States experiencing different levels of coronavirus transmission, jurisdictions should ensure appropriate public health strategies are in place to slow the spread of COVID-19 as the first step in creating a safer school environment. 
Then working in collaboration with their state and local health departments, school administrators can employ strategies that best match the local conditions and actions that are practical and feasible in their schools to help protect the health and safety of everyone, including students, teachers, and other staff. So that doesn't sound terrible because they are encouraging each locality to, uh, to like, assess their own locality and decide for themselves on a local level what they should or shouldn't do which of course being a libertarian we're pretty much all about localization so mm -hmm. i'm totally fine with all of that um so in indiana my son goes to a suburban school district and homeschooling is not feasible for a couple of reasons one being i'm on the campaign trail right now so i'm like home and then not home for every other two weeks mm -hmm. Um, his dad works in construction, so he is considered essential. So their business never closes. And his dad is not really the type to follow through with stuff like homeschooling. I've even had trouble getting him to follow through with stuff like homework. So I don't trust him to like do all of that all the time when I'm gone. Um, so that's just not a feasible option for, for me in my life right now. Um, plus my son loves school. He loves to go back with his, he wants to see his friends. He wants to see his teacher. Um, school means I mean, a lot to a lot of kids. Uh -huh. And so he is going back. Our choices were send them back to school for five days a week. They have to socially distance when they're in the halls and the cafeteria and things like that, but they don't have to, um, they don't have to do it as much in the classroom. I don't think they're not doing like six full feet because then that would be impossible. They wouldn't be able to even fit all of the kids in the class because the classrooms just are not big enough for that. Um, I'm hoping it forces them to, to, uh, go with smaller class sizes. Um, that might be kind of a good unintended consequence of this whole thing. Um, so our choices were send it back five days a week, or he could do virtual learning five days a week mm -hmm. and it could be asynchronous or synchronous. But the total time that he was going to be required to be online learning was five hours per day. He's only seven. Mm -hmm. Last fall when we were doing it, or last spring when we were doing it, when school shut down, we were doing about two and a half hours of instruction, three days a week. And that was difficult enough. So for me, I was like, there's no way that he can do five hours every day. That's just not going to happen. He's way too active. Like, that's a bad idea. So those were our choices. I know I know a couple of other people, a friend of mine in California, she's got um, a school-aged child. They're not going back at all in the fall. Thankfully, mm -hmm. she's a stay-at-home mom, so she can handle that. She does have two other kids at home, so that's going to be difficult. But um, there is at least a parent in the home that can help. And I, I have a couple of other friends where their kids are going back, you know, full-time, just like mine is. So it's... It's kind of a no-win situation. I mean, if he was if he was older, kids that are in high school can make the choice to not go back um, at all and do their schoolwork online, and it's probably a lot more manageable for them. But with a kid that's in elementary school, it's just it, I don't, I just don't see it as happening. Well, and one of the things, too, and I mentioned this I mentioned this numerous times because I knew that this was going to happen as we went along is that the government is not going to allow these children to come out and miss out on their government indoctrination for that long either. They want them up in that classroom as quickly and as much as they can have them. Because, I mean, 
what what's a kid gonna do i mean we had the one kid that got in trouble for having a bb gun in his bedroom on the wall while he was in that the zoom class so that's so insane but i mean yeah okay he could sit there on the zoom meeting but i mean i'm sitting here on the zoom meeting and i've got two other web uh web browsers up and open here i've got the studio going as well i've got the live chat sitting up here so these I'm kids watching could... my, i'm watching my work email in the background I mean, these these kids could be doing any number of things while they're virtual learning i mean hell some kid could be out there virtual learning and have contemporary on the background he's probably mm-hmm. learning a fuck of a lot more from that than he is from school <laughs> i really so i i really like my son's public school he goes mm-hmm. to a good public school um it's in a fairly affluent um, neighborhood. So it, they're not short of funding. They're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, that's the best option. I don't know what is up with the color on my screen that just suddenly like changed. Now everything is pink. Well, matches your shirt then. I'm very distracted by it now. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, there are other things that are going along with the school opening as well. The Arizona Teachers Union has put out a list of demands that they need to have met for before they can open the school. And half of them have not one thing to do with opening schools. Half of their demands at this point have to do with uh, with climate change and various other political aspirations. So it's what? only half of school demands off of this. So, yeah, people are going to cap- start capitalizing off of this. It's a blue state. I shouldn't be surprised. Arizona? Don't they have a Democratic governor? No. Arizona is, well, we don't oh, know. Oh, I'm because... thinking of New Mexico. Oh, That's yeah, what it New is. Mexico. I was going to say, no, Arizona is, uh, well, they might change because of all the California transplants, but uh, yeah, they're pretty damn red over there. So, yeah, that's that's what school is doing for us, and it's... Uh, we're edging on ridiculousness from here. But like I said, I, I know that they aren't going to let these kids go without their government indoctrination. They can't do it. The kids might... Well, and that's been another thing, too, we've noticed here, is parents have been looking over what this Common Core actually is. They've been looking over the homework for these kids and trying to help them and realizing just what they're learning in the classroom. And I think a lot of parents said, uh-uh, no way. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I didn't have a problem with any of the stuff that mine brought home mm-hmm. or had to print out or anything like that. We were good. Yeah, it's I see. We got lucky. I saw some other people that did. All right. We talked a bit off uh, Mike about, because you hadn't seen any of this yet, but uh, um, what's going on with this Ted Cruz video? So I've got a video of Ted Cruz, speaking of people going back and getting back to work here, talking about the dangers of the unemployment that they have set up here. Let me get that set up here. And we'll listen to what Senator Cruz has to say about this. One of the worst aspects of what Congress has done so far is is the the plus up in unemployment compensation. We are paying a whole lot of people a lot more money to stay home and not work than they made on their jobs. And, and, And that is terrible for those workers. It's terrible for the economy. And every time, everyone in this body who votes for paying people more money to stay home and not work than to go to work, they ought to write on the top of that, paid for by the Joe Biden for president campaign. Because there are a lot of Democratic politicians all over the country who they understand if the country shut down, 
if 40 million people are out of work, their guy probably wins. And so they want the economy completely shut down. We want people back at work. We want people providing for their kids. And you know, an interesting thing, if it, if it ends up that Biden wins in November, I hope he doesn't, I don't think he will, but if he does, I guarantee you the week after the election, suddenly all those Democratic governors, all those Democratic mayors will say, everything's magically better. Go back to work, go back to school. Suddenly the problems are solved. You won't even have to wait for Biden to be sworn in. All they'll need is election day and suddenly their willingness to just destroy people's lives and livelihoods, they will have accomplished their task. That's wrong, it's cynical, and, 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 and we shouldn't be a part of it. I'll wait for you to get your mic back on because I don't know how far of a delay you had on that. So that's what uh, Senator Cruz had to say about that. And I mean, I think he's right. <laughs> I really do. More so than not. I mean, I don't know what there really is to talk about. Well, it I mean, is what it is. <laughs> That, and I've said that before. That's that's what we're going to see. That I do think a lot of this is election strategy. And I, I've been saying right from the beginning, a lot of this we're seeing right now is because it is an election year. It's an election year and the president ran on the economy for his entire term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about any of that. I thought that was interesting and... Yeah, it's, I can't see any universe where Ted Cruz is wrong. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, we saw it right at the beginning. People were getting these checks when everything started to peter out right before the BLM, everything happened again. When things were starting to peter out and people were starting to get asked if they could come back to work when states started to reopen, they said, no, I'm making more money at home. Don't open back up. Right. There was, what was it, one lady in Texas was getting threatened by her employees to not open back up because they were making so much money at home. How do you compete with that? Yeah, for sure. How do you compete with the government? You don't. I mean, that's exactly why we're in the situation that we're in with things like student loan debt. You know, the government basically gave you assured loans. Mm -hmm. So what happened? Everyone went to college. Everyone went to college. They got degrees that saturated the market. Now you have to get a master's degree or MBA or a PhD Mm -hmm. to get anywhere in certain careers because they're the bachelor's degree is now like the high school diploma. Yeah, it's, I mean, I have seen, I've seen pictures of pe uh, people that are in college, more, more so girls than guys, but for the most part, the people in college who will, you know, hold up a sign when they go up for, I don't know, their, fourth year, like their senior year of college, it'll have a sign that says, this is my first day of 16th grade, which is right. an absolute indictment of the education system at the collegiate level, because it is a glorified high school at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of that is because high schools are falling behind. But anyways, that's not the point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on a tangent. Um, yeah. Uh, did you see the Chinese consulate thing this week? That was so weird. Vaguely. Vaguely, very quickly. It was like a blip on the news radar. I was very surprised that it didn't get more traction. Yeah, because, I mean, with the back and forth with that, that was uh, 
Uh, that was something that I could have seen said, hey, this is going to be a hot war with China. Uh, to catch the audience back up, in case some of them missed this here, we'll read from the Daily Wire. U.S. forces closure of Chinese consulate in Houston video shows classified documents being burned inside. Chinese officials at the Chinese General Consulate in Houston reportedly rushed to burn classified documents on Tuesday evening after learning that the U.S. ordered them to cease all operations and events at the consulate over security concerns. The U.S. State Department said in a statement, We have directed closure of the PRC consulate in General, uh, General Houston in order to protect American intellectual property and Americans' private information. So I've got a feeling that some of this comes out of the TikTok thing, but there have been stories out there where they were stealing coronavirus research, technology, so many other pieces of personal information out of this consulate and sending it back to China. And it doesn't look suspicious at all that they were burning everything that they could as soon as they found out they were closing. So, but there's five consulates. There's five PRC consulates in the United States. Mm -hmm. Houston's only one of them. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like, I wonder if this is for show for some reason. Like maybe the Chinese just were like, yeah, we don't really need five. Four is fine. And and Trump was like, cool, I want to make a statement. Let's do this thing. And then they just like staged it. I almost wonder more if somebody actually caught something illegal happening out of this con this particular one because, like I said, they didn't close any of the other ones. And yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe it was some kind of like trade-off mm -hmm. or something. Like, okay, well, we have to do something. We can't just let you not do anything, like not have any consequences for whatever it is mm -hmm. that they found out that they were doing. They were like, so let's just close this one. And we'll do it when there's tons of other stuff in the news cycle and everyone will forget that it, that it even happened. Yeah, because China retaliated and they closed one of them over in China as well, a U.S. consulate over in China, and nobody talked about it. I, there was a blip on the Daily Wire is all that I saw about the one that closed over in China, which was part of the part where I said, I mean, are we going to see a hot war with China if they're just going to keep starting picking at each other? It was on the news for like an hour. I'm going to look up how many U.S. consulates there are in China. I'm sure there aren't that many. But I mean, that is... I don't... I guess I don't... There's six. Okay. There I, are six. I maybe ignorant to this but i don't necessarily understand what a consulate is and what how that differs from uh an embassy could you maybe fill me in on that one so a consulate an embassy is the location for a diplomatic presence okay um a consulate is a branch office of the embassy okay so the embassy is like the home office and then the consulates are the offshoots of that office I guess I don't understand why they would need to have an offshoot of that, but I don't know that much about diplomacy and uh, anything else like that. But I mean, that'll put a damper on my run for the presidency, but <laughs> I'll have to learn that at some point. You to understand, I recommend this for anybody who wants to greater understand the role of the State Department. Watch the show, Madam Secretary, because even though it's Netflix, even though it's you know Hollywood, whatever. The show does a really good job of explaining all the things that the State Department does to foster diplomacy and 
how complicated it can be to navigate all these relationships with all these different countries because not all of them like each other, but a lot of them want our money. And so we do different things for different countries as leverage to get what we want from a different country. It's just, it's very complicated, but some of the episodes of that show are very, very good at showing how and why that occurs and what the U S actually gets out of it. You know, I actually just realized here and uh, Ron pointed it out as well. I could also just gone ahead and asked uh, McLeod about that because uh, she works in uh, immigration law. Uh Oh, you cut out. Yeah. You're uh, frozen up on the screen too. I'm going to go and look and see if we are still on. I'm still going, so uh, you're frozen. But other than that... Okay, it's fixed. I was fixed. Are you back in? I can see you, but I can't hear you. Are you there, Ed? Yeah, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I, yes, I can hear mm -hmm. you. Okay. Can uh, can you hear me? That was weird. No, I don't think you can yes, hear I me. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. I can't see you. Huh. I don't know, because my camera's going, so let me pop that quick, and we'll start that again. I guess we're still live. Ron says he can still see us. Yeah, you froze up for a second, and... uh. That was the last thing I saw. So, yeah, as I was saying, uh, McLeod works in immigration uh, immigration law, so I actually could probably go and ask her a bit more about that, too, because it looks like in the chat she was saying that uh, they do immigration stuff over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they do. It's kind of a – it can act as kind of an emergency contact for people that are living in the area that are citizens of that country. So – like when things get really rough in the Middle East or in Turkey or something like that, the government or the State Department will issue a warning for American citizens in the country and say, you know, make plans to go to the embassy if things get weird, mm -hmm. um, have your travel papers in order, have a bag packed, et cetera, et cetera. Because the embassy or consulate is considered sovereign soil of the other, of the visiting country Okay. in that home country. So if you need like legal protection for some reason, let's say that the government of that other country is accusing you of a crime that you didn't commit. Mm -hmm. You would go to the embassy because then the embassy would have, then that country that's trying to charge you with a crime would have to negotiate with your country in order to arrest you or extradite you or whatever. If they just arrest you off the street, then that's a whole, it's a whole different type of legal process. Oh yeah, that. I can imagine. All right. I got one more story here before we'll take our next chat break here. And this is just a little bit of entertaining, uh, entertainment and general interest here. But the New York Post never uh, stays loaded after I stay off of it for a while. <laughs> I don't know why the New York Post does that. It unloads if I stay off the page for a while. But uh, Dr. Fauci decided that he was going to flatten the curve this week. Come on, think faster. There it comes. So to read here briefly from the New York Post, Anthony Fauci flattens the curve straight into the ground on opening day first pitch. 
White House Coronavirus Task Force member and diehard baseball fan Dr. Anthony Fauci threw the first pitch at the long-awaited 2020 MLB season opener as the Yankees took on the World Series champions uh, uh, Nationals. But Fauci, 79, should have stuck to infectious diseases as he fumbled the ball straight into the ground. Wearing a Nationals jersey and a red face mask, the 5'7"-inch righty bounced the ball on the grass, crossing the first baseline far wide of home plate. So, okay. I don't know if you saw this one. It was very interesting. But uh, one of the, I didn't notice this at first because I saw the video a couple times. I didn't notice it at first, but uh, I don't know if this was a play on the current events or anything else out of this. But uh, Fosse was wearing a number 19 jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, like COVID-19. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but... I wonder whose decision that was. Dang. Somebody figured something out. What was interesting about the story, not just the fact that a 79-year-old man who has nothing to... this. First off, this first pitch is usually something the president does traditionally (laughs) because of the fact that it is the Washington, D.C. team, but I don't know what celebrity or what reason Fauci has to have... Does this Washington team have a name? Unlike the other one? Yes. Which is currently nameless. Yes, it does. <laughs> the Washington What's football the... team. Uh, the Washington Nationals is the baseball oh, team. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, usually the president will throw out the pitch. That's a longstanding tradition out there. But they decided to have Fauci do it. And he fumbled at it very, very badly. But he was also caught in the stands after or during the game as well, sitting with two other people. No seats in between any of them. The two people next to him were wearing a mask, and Fauci's was down draped over his neck, which a lot of people called out for the hypocrisy of doing so because of that. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, to me, says the fact that this isn't really as big of a deal as they try and tell us that it is. Probably not. But also, I think in several of the photos, he's like drinking a bottle of water off and on, mm-hmm. and he's sitting next to his wife, so, I mean, he's been around her every day for the whole right. time that this has been going on. So, I mean, like, I don't wear a mask around my son. I see my son all the time. Like, why would I do that? You know, it like when I got back from the airport, I made sure I took a shower right when I got home mm-hmm. just because I was like, whatever is on me, I'm going to just wash all of it off. And I threw my clothes in the laundry and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I wasn't going to wear a mask around him. And I, I'm guessing that Fauci is the same way. You know, he's seen his wife every single day. If he's caught it, then she's caught it. So, you know, wearing a mask around her is probably pointless. Seawall says the ball died of COVID. <laughs> I saw that. All right. Let's uh, let's take a quick chat break here. And I'm going to get a couple of things set up for the, uh, the next segment out of here. So uh, let's see what they had to say over there. Ron told a joke. Patient says to his doctor, Doctor, when do you think this virus will be done? Doctor, I don't know. I'm not a politician. (laughs) Nice. I like that. Um, Oh, I got to move that. That's not the next one. 
Sparta says 10% of people should be unable to graduate high school due to high standards. We just give out participation trophies. Yeah, I've made that same. I've made that same determination. With so many people that are graduating early, we should really up the standards here and make some people actually work for it. Maybe there should be some children left behind. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they would try harder if they knew that they would be. Uh, we had our little interruption. And Harvey says, if you bomb a consulate, it's technically an attack on U.S. soil. I did know that. That's because of the sovereignty issues. Mm -hmm. She also says they handle immigration and they issue visas. baseball died of covid harvey says it's funny because trump played baseball in mil military school mm -hmm. the fact that he went to military school just still makes me laugh i know cadet bone spurs <laughs> <laughs> seawall says offer vocational education for those that scrub out i'm assuming yeah. he means scrub out of high school yeah absolutely yeah, I mean, that's how it is in a lot of other countries. I mean, by the time a kid is uh, 14 or 15, I guess, they're kind of, they are sort of given a choice at that point of if they think they want to go to higher ed or if they think they want to go to a vocational trade school. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, they're kind of split for the rest of their high school career. And they, they're just on different tracks. I wouldn't be opposed to doing that here because there are many jobs that currently post listings that say you have to have a college degree. And I really don't think you do to yeah. have that, to have that job, but it's mostly on the job training. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, I've told this story a, a few times for, for myself. Um, before I started doing the video channel, uh, I was actually writing a novel, which has gone untouched for a little while since I started doing videos and YouTube and everything, unfortunately, but I did some location scouting for a building that I wanted to feature in the novel and it was for an accounting firm up in Madison. It's a pretty well-known called uh, uh, Baker Tilly. You'll always see it driving down the highway. Mm -hmm. Now, I went to trade school. I went to mechanic school. I dropped out of college because I saw it was nothing but an indoctrination center and went on to trade school. Instead, I learned how to be a mechanic. I went up there to, you know, look at this location. And I was talking to the woman that was giving me the tour. And I said, hey, you know, I'm good with numbers. i can, I'm provably good with numbers here. I know you guys do accounting. I could probably figure that out off the back of my hand. And I was taking higher education. I was taking college math when I was in ninth grade. They actually had to ship me okay. up to uh, uh, the UW because they didn't have any more math classes for me. So, okay. And I've got that credential up behind me. And I said, hey, what would it take if, for me to come and work for you guys? Well, I mean, what, what do I need for credentials to come and work for you? Do I need like a CPA or something else like that? She says, no, I, in order to come work here, you just need a college degree. I said, oh, well, what would I need a college degree in? Oh, we don't care what the college degree is in. You just need a college degree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my I, collegiate story. I will burst everyone's bubble. I make a lot of money working in politics and I don't have a college degree. I was studying political science in college and I am uh, within two semesters of technically graduating. So if I ever did, um, I actually just had this conversation the other day. Um, if I was ever in a position where I could pay cash for it, 
and it was like between election cycles or something and I wasn't slammed, Mm -hmm. I would consider doing it if I felt that it was going to give me a leg up in my career. So far, I haven't felt the need to do that because I am a person that is very self-taught with pretty much everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So I either learn from someone else or I teach myself how to do it. So that's led me to have a lot of mentors in my life from different areas of business or politics or what have you. And I've been very successful in my life doing that. Um, I just, I just don't feel like I need to have the college degree. If I ever felt like if I ever got to the point where I had the disposable income and I, even if, even if I just had the attitude of just, you know, it'd be really nice to get that done. Like to just check off that box. Like I finished it. If I felt really strongly about it from that perspective, then I would go do it, but I would not spend myself into more debt doing it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm in enough debt right now from the trade school I went to. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have no desire. My, my ex-girlfriend tried to convince me to go back to uh, Whitewater for uh, writing. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. You don't have to have a degree in writing to be a writer. No, I was nationally syndicated when I was 16. Wow. All right. All right, we Let's got a couple more things that we got to get through here. Uh, a little bit of government stuff here to finish out, and then I got the the government overreach of the week here. So let's uh, talk about this FBI briefing on election security because, my God, they're going to do it again. They're absolutely <laughs> going to do it again. Uh, the Hill writes, Congressional Democrats request FBI briefing on foreign election interference efforts. Democratic leaders in the House and Senate on Monday requested a classified counterintelligence briefing form or from the FBI, citing concerns that members of Congress are being targeted by a concerted foreign interference campaign ahead of the November elections. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, along with Chuck Schumer, Adam Schiff, Mark Warner, sent a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray requesting all members' briefing take place before the August congressional recess. So they are going to do it again. We're going to see impeachment 2.0. There are things other than this that they can impeach him for. Yes, there are. They could do it. They just don't really want to. Well, yeah, it would implicate themselves in it. Right. Yeah, there's that. But yeah, I mean, there's so much to impeach this president over. And they went over the one thing that they couldn't prove and nobody would vote for anyway. I just... Just let him finish the term and let the voters decide at this point. But I think that they're looking at at a point right now to just try and nullify the 2020 election before it even happens. Because I I think they know that they're not going to (laughs) win. Seawall says it's it's impeachment to electric boogaloo. (laughs) I I knew somebody was going to do that. I love that. That's great. (laughs) That's amazing. And... Honestly, with this whole mail-in thing as well, I mean, there's still ballots piled up in Milwaukee that they haven't counted yet. We are not going to know on election night who won, no matter how the coverage goes and how Freedom Scoop Media Group does the coverage. We are not going to know what happens on that night. It's just not going to happen. So people are going to be at each other's throats trying to nullify this entire thing as we go on through the night. Right. And I don't... I fear for this country. Wild. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think really, that... Really interesting times. I think they already want to sit back and nullify it. No matter who wins coming up here, 
I think that this is just going to be people screaming for months and months and years on end that the election was illegitimate. Right. So, yeah, that's what they're going to do out of this here. Uh, do you have anything to add on that one? No, I don't. All right. I've got uh, I've got a really interesting one here. And once again, this is the House doing showmanship bills. They're not doing anything that can pass anything else out of this, but they're making showmanship bills. Uh, the House uh, passes a bill that would repeal Trump's travel bans. Legislation is expected to go nowhere in the GOP-led Senate. Now, that's pretty obvious here. The House Wednesday passed legislation to restrict President Trump's authority to impose blanket travel restrictions and repeal all iterations of his so-called Muslim ban, which would be the same ban that Obama had in place. The No Ban Act, which has been in the works for months, is the Democrats' response to Trump's crackdown on Muslims entering the United States. That he And this is Fox News saying this, by the way that he pledged during the 2016 campaign and that materialized into various travel bans on Muslim, our countries rather, in Muslim-majority regions and beyond. Democrats rebuked the travel ban as xenophobic and a shameful stain on America's reputation as a beacon for religious tolerance and inclusions. I have read the bill, and even if it passes everywhere off of this, it's a non-starter because it is against the Constitution. The executive branch has the ability to admit or reject anybody that they see fit from entering the country. That is a sole power of the executive branch for the Constitution. What have you seen on this? Um, I just don't think it's going to go anywhere. Now, you probably have a different uh, idea on travel restrictions and immigration as I do. I'm actually fairly hard line on immigration. I don't know exactly where you stand on any of this. But what do you think of this idea? I am working on pulling up the article right now. I know you just read it, but I was talking in the chat oh. with, uh, with everyone about the the election stuff. Yeah. Let's see here. Emperor Cheeto. Yes. The great Cheeto Jesus. <laughs> I did read this. I actually believe I read the legislation on air. And it is a non-starter. And I do I do agree with Doug Collins. This isn't about policy. It is about a person. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with him on very many things, but I do agree with him on this. They are... They're just stacking the deck with all of this legislation mm-hmm. that they know that is going to get vetoed. Mm-hmm. Even if it passes the Senate, they know that Trump will will not sign it so that they can just have more ammunition for elections. Well, it's it's D.C. state all over again. And, and then there's meaningful legislation that's been sitting there for over a year that the Senate won't even put on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Which, to an extent, I when when Washington, D.C. is jammed up, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> I hate to say it, but when Washington, D.C. can't agree, that's the best time of my life. Why? Because then they're not... Because they can't do any damage? They don't don't ever repeal laws. They just make new ones. So if they can't make new laws, then I think that's the best time of our lives. This is true. But yeah, I mean, this is... 
this is DC statehood all over again. Another, like you said, another election piece that they can come out that they know is not going to go anywhere, even if it passes everywhere, is against the Constitution that they're just going to put out there and say, well, see, these evil Republicans won't sign this. Right. All right, I've got a couple more here. Uh, let's look at this other video here because I, I thought this was just craziness. The fact that this video kicked, because I thought, I saw the tweet, and I thought this was going to be something completely different. I saw what people were commenting on it, and I thought this was going to be something absolutely different than what it was, and I was very surprised when I saw this. So let's listen to what uh, this particular green-haired woman has to say. Maybe. Why is this not playing? Come on. I don't know why this isn't playing. Okay, we might not actually be able to watch this video because it does appear to be frozen on some point. It was working before. We may have some tactical issues with this. Damn it, I tested this before the show because I tested it for volume. Okay, there is something going on on Twitter's end with this though where they can't play this video, unfortunately. I didn't realize I was on mute when I just said, let's skip it because we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, because that was a good one, too. And I, I did test this before uh, before we went live, and it worked. So let's pull back uh, here. They say reload the page with I don't, the refresh button. I don't know if there is a refresh button on OBS. No, hit it on uh, on Twitter. Well, this is going through OBS's internal browser. Which is why I said I don't know if there is a refresh button on OBS. Yeah, it's dead frozen off of that. So we're, we're nowhere on this one, unfortunately. Let me try this one more time. Yeah, no, it's still trying to think. So uh, unless there is an internal refresh. No, there is no internal refresh on uh, OBS, unfortunately. So we're going to have to skip that one. All right, so that means it is time for, let's get the volume up here. Whoops, wrong, wrong audio. Get ready. Just when you thought you were free, it's time for the government overreach of the week. Seawall is capture, is uh, flipping tables. Ah, that's sorry. So, government overreach of the week this week. After Gorsuch sides with liberals, new precedent cited in trans case against Catholic hospitals. From the Daily Wire, a Catholic hospital in Maryland is facing a lawsuit from a transgender male that cites new Supreme Court precedent established last month when Trump appointed uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch sided with the liberal justices on the court. 
As noted by Catholic News Agency, the suit claims discrimination after the uh, University of Maryland St. Joseph Medical Center, a Catholic-founded hospital now in the University of Maryland's medical system, refused to remove the uterus of a 33-year-old Jesse Hammonds of Baltimore, a physically healthy transgender individual. The suit argues that the hysterectomy would not have been canceled if it were for a diagnosis other than gender dysphoria. The Catholic outlet reported, because the hospital performs hysterectomies for other diagnosed conditions, it treated Hammonds unfairly. Hammonds said the surgery would help eliminate the production of estrogen and drastically improve mental health. This is the cake baker case all over again. This is somebody who wants to go and force a religious, uh, ser- well, that's how I see it anyway, uh, force a religious hospital to go and perform a transgender surgery, essentially, off of this. But I'm curious to see what you have seen off of this one. I actually haven't seen this story, but I do have a couple of questions. Okay. Is this the only hospital in her insurance network? Uh, the article does not point to that, so I don't know if that is the case or not. Because if she's limited in what insurance choices she has, and this is one of the only hospitals that she can go to for this surgery, and the hospital receives public funding, then mm-hmm. sadly they should have to perform the surgery. Because if if she is being denied access to other facilities that could perform this surgery, and this hospital is getting public funding, um, to service people that have plans through like marketplace, okay. then they should have to perform this surgery. Okay. Uh, that is not put out uh, in the article, so I cannot answer that question. Unfortunately. Those are my questions before I have an opinion. That was Generally, what? That was only one question. You said you had two questions. Huh. One, whether the hospital is the only one in her network and two, whether or not, um, they receive public funding. Oh, okay. I I construed that as one. I apologize. That's okay. Seawall says it's a private hospital since it's religious. Yeah. No, they know. did come into the university medical system, though. So that so is. So they are public. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, honestly, yeah. If it was a private hospital, I would call this. I didn't see the fact that this came... I would say it's frivolous. Yeah, it's frivolous, absolutely. And, yeah, it's another thing as well to go through. I mean, why would you go to the the Catholic hospital to perform the surgery if you could go to another one? That You do bring up a good point to that. So this may not be the overreach that I thought it was at first, but, I mean, I look at this and this, uh, this rings bells of Jack Phillips all over and over again in my head, and the government mm-hmm. just needs to stay out of stuff like that. It could. I mean, it, it could very well be another case just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, generally from just a consumer aspect of like, I want to buy products and services and there's no insurance involved or anything like that. And I'm dealing with a market where I have options. Then my stance has always been, if you go into a store and that store does not want to serve you and they don't want to take your money, because they don't like you for some reason. Why are you hellbent on convincing them to take your money anyway? Why wouldn't you give mm-hmm. your money to someone who likes you? Well, yeah, and it comes down to the point of people are trying to use the government to eliminate religion. We, we've seen this during COVID. Right. We have to shut these churches down because they're sitting there being super spreaders out of this. Right. So, 
That's what I have to say on this. And uh, are you ready for some surprise stupidity? Yes, always. You uh, have probably seen this one already, but I decided I wanted to get your hot take on this. Let me get the picture up here, and then I will read. I actually have the, uh, it's from Twitter, so I have the tweet and the rest of the tweet thread up of this. But I wanted to do the top one first. So, Comfortably Smug on Twitter this past week tweeted out, Reminder that libertarians are not conservatives. Libertarians are not Republicans. Libertarians are godless degenerates who think Ayn Rand's dumb books and free market system will save them from the commie hordes. I can actually go on from this. Uh, he continues, how are people libertarians after high school or college? Grow up, asshole, and pick a team. Most libertarians are just too cowardly to be Republicans because they're afraid their lib friends won't like them anymore. Newsflash, no one likes libertarians. They have no friends. Hey, I like at least one. Uh, libertarians really think that if they defend Antifa and Amazon, enough people might finally like them. Outstanding strategy, and likely why the Libertarian Party wins so many elections. So, before I get into any of my commentary on this, uh, what do you have? Uh, what do you have on this one? I don't think he's serious. You don't? No. Uh, he he got racial really hard over this one too, like super. As well, he should. I, uh, I commented, my first comment was, libertarians are not conservatives. Congratulations, did you come up with that all on your own? That's kind of the point. The Republican Party has failed right. in defending personal freedom in favor of establishment power and selling you into the hands of the progressive agenda. Now, when did he, when did he tweet this? Uh, 6.02 a.m. July 22nd. Hmm. I'm not seeing it. Maybe he took it down. Oh, I still have it up, so it's still working for me, so. I can send you the link maybe for it. Maybe he just tweets so many. Yeah. Yeah, he's been busy on my timeline for a while. He's, uh, it says alt-center in the, uh, in, in the Twitter bio. But, yeah, I, I wanted to see what, uh, what you had for a hot take on that and, uh, if you enjoyed that or not. And if you have read any of Ayn Rand's dumb books, <laughs> I actually haven't, so. I haven't either, actually. So I don't know why he thinks that uh, people like us use them as the Bible, but apparently that he does. I don't know. Well, that's a show. You wanna? Yeah, that that was a show. We had a we had some rough tech difficulties this week, but we made it through. Uh, you wanna catch up with the last of the live chat here, and I'm going to hit the. Uh, the chest here for everybody who wants to get some something over on DLive, so get ready to scramble for some lemons here. There aren't many, okay. but there's enough there for me to get for you guys, so. Chill Anarchist says, just because it's the university medical system doesn't mean anything. Vander Vanderbilt is a private university with a private hospital. True. Uh, Ron says, end the welfare warfare state, no more interfering. Seawall says, remember with the cake baker case, they had to travel a few hours to get to him. That's ridiculous. I did mm -hmm. not remember that. I um, do. Harvey says, I still go to church every Sunday. They will not stop me from worshiping. <laughs> Anarchist says, I remember that asshole. The person isn't wrong about the elections. That's true. Uh, Ron says, that's an appropriate moniker for that moron. Comfortably smug. <laughs> yeah. 
Chill Anarchist says, I would recommend Anthem. It's a lesser known work, but still really poignant. I have heard about that one. And Seawall says, Tech Guy Rage, how dare you have tech difficulties? Yeah, it's a duct tape production, so that's that, what we have here. Looks like uh, we got some pretty good uh, distribution on the lemons. Congratulations, Ron Helton, Sparta 000 Ride Control, and Elephant Man 007. Hope you spend some of those with, uh, with us over here. All right. And that is going to be it. So let's get the outro music up here and playing. And we'll sell off the wares here as we do. So thanks everybody who came by and chatted with us throughout the uh, show. Keeping us honest, keeping us on track. And uh, enjoying some of the other technical difficulties that we had here. If you would like to finish the conversation with me, you can go overhead and hit me up over on Twitter. That's the preferred method. Over That's at Ed's blog Twitter with a one in place of the I. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button as that's linked below. You can also find my co-host over on Twitter at, at LibertarianRed1, so go and check her out as well. And while you're going down there, if you're over on YouTube especially, go over and uh, check out that PayPal link. And if you like what you saw, you could throw us a couple bucks. But the best thing you can do for us right now is to just share this out with some family and friends and help get the word out there a little bit more. So come on and help us all out. We did stream live to DLive, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, and Facebook. So go ahead and check us out at any of those places coming up next week or any of my shows coming up as well. And if you're just joining us now, you can catch us on demand over on YouTube and BitChute.com or over on the audio platforms if you prefer to take us on the go. That is iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Remember, leave us that five-star rating and a good review if you like what you saw. If you can't leave us a five-star rating send me an email or a tweet and tell me why and we'll help you uh get to a point where you can leave that five-star rating and as we always say never take the words of bloggers podcasters or journalists as gospel find all the facts and draw your own conclusions you want to lead us back out have a great week make good choices and we'll see you next time take care Thank you.